Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you guys are already encouraged? Yes, yes, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So I've got an amen corner here, 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 and here. I love it. Would you guys stand up with me? Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. All right. I'm going to try to calm down here. I was uh, thinking about my sermon, and I was just thinking about, I, I reminded myself as I was worshiping about how good it is to come to the house of the Lord, right? Yes, yes. So up to this chapter, as you turn there, um, the writer of Hebrews is explaining that we have everything that we need to go into the presence of God now. Through Jesus Christ, we have everything that we need. It was through His sacrifice, through His blood, that we can now enter into a relationship with Almighty God that doesn't require anything else except for ourselves and submitting our heart and our lives to Him. Amen? And he's talking about how we get to experience the goodness of God, the presence of God. And what I want to talk to us about today is about how I know that what we're seeing here is about an individual walk with God. But I'm convinced that whenever we corporately get together, we can experience the same thing. Amen? This is not something just reserved for our private time, but whenever we come together and we don't forsake the assembly or the gathering of the Christians together, God can move, right? Yeah, I believe it too. I believe it. Okay, let's go ahead and read. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Very familiar scripture. Let's pray. Father, our hearts are bowed. Use me this morning. Speak to your people, God. We want to honor you in all that we do. Thank you for letting us feel your presence. In the name of Jesus, everyone says... Amen, amen. You may be seated. Go ahead and wave at your neighbor. I'm glad that you're here. We love you guys on the other side of the camera, whatever device you're streaming by. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of us, and you guys are very much a part of us. As I was praying this last week and thanking God, asking God, what direction do you want me to go? I really felt like he had pressed upon my heart what I want to share with you guys today as we start we know in our our church it's on our pastor our senior pastor Mike McCord's heart that um, really the beginning sermon series in January and the sermon series that we start in September are crucial to the lives of our community because we understand we're starting the new year in January but here in September we understand that vacations are winding down and and people are coming back into school and and we begin to set patterns for our life can I get an amen on that we begin to kind of come back together. And as I was thinking about um, what I wanted to say, I believe that God brought me to the Scripture to encourage us that it's, it's, it's a good thing that we meet together, that we come together as His church. It's okay. Now, what this sermon is not going to be is discouraging. That's not what I intend it to be. And it will not be a guilt trip on anyone. All right? 
Uh, a couple weeks ago, I say a couple weeks ago, probably in the latter part of June, on a Sunday, I was down at the beach. <laughs> Miss church, man. They had some church down there on the beach that I went to, but I wasn't at this one. And then part of our traveling time was also just listening to a sermon uh, on, on podcast that we were driving down the road. I believe it was on a Sunday. So we missed church for different things. So we're not trying to guilt trip anybody. Can I get an amen? That's not what we're about here, okay? But we do also understand that the pendulum swings. And we understand with all the things coming up that we are concerned about how we meet together. But there has to be a place. There has to be a middle point between where we don't want to lick doorknobs, right? We don't want to tempt it there. But at the same time, we don't want to go down into our bunker for the next 40 or 50 days and not see the daylight and your eyes turn dark. It's just bad. We don't want that, okay? We don't want that. So we have to be in that middle spot where we try to walk on faith. And if you're in a situation where you can't come to church, we have no intention of guilting you or discouraging. We want to say thank you that you're gathering on your sofas or you're gathering at the lake or wherever you're gathering, but you're coming together as the people of God. And we're in the sanctuary together lifting up one name the name that is above every name and that's Jesus Christ and that's what we're here to do because there's something powerful about God's people coming together and we can't say that you just have to meet in a church we know all over the world the underground church meets in different facilities that we don't understand maybe it's two or three maybe it's more so we don't want to get into that as much as we say take time and set it aside podcasts are great CDs are great driving down the road they'll encourage you but there's something about saying for the next 45 minutes to an hour I'm going to set this side I set this time aside for you God and you speak to me through your word amen yeah speak to me through your people. There's something powerful about it. I uh, didn't understand why Pastor carried a hanky. This has nothing to do with the message. I didn't understand why he carried a hanky, but the more I speak, the more I feel like Sylvester. Fluffer and fuck attack, you know, and stuff. People have to wear umbrellas, and then you got stuff on your face, and you hope nothing's hanging out. You know what I mean? I just didn't understand until I got down from the pulpit one day, and then I, it was either my daughter or my sweet wife that pointed it out to me. I can't remember which one, but uh, I, I had something that wasn't on my face when I started. <laughs> so, so there you go. You learn from your mentors. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. Sometimes just learn. You don't have to ask all the questions. Just watch. But we don't want our sermon series, we don't want this sermon to be that. We want you to be encouraged because there's some stuff that we get to celebrate whenever we come into the house of the Lord. But we know that sometimes we can make excuses. We can have all these different excuses that pop up that keep us from the house of God. So they keep us from maybe getting our, our position settled in on the couch and tuning in or wherever we're at because we have this or that. For some people, it's hard to gather because you're hurt. And listen, those are very real feelings. You've been hurt by somebody at church or maybe somebody outside church and you're wondering about God and, and you don't understand. Hey, listen, those emotions are real and true, but we encourage you to still come. Maybe there's some unforgiveness or just plain out slothfulness. Maybe some people just push it to the side and, and that's what really the writer of Hebrews is saying here. We don't want to neglect that assembling. We don't want to be, that, be in that kind of behavior. 
And then sometimes it's just not a priority. We don't have our priorities right. And church should be a priority, amen? You shouldn't have to come every time the chores are open. I understand that. But for the parents in the room, if you only set aside one day holy every two or three months, that is what you're teaching your children. You're training your children in that way. And, and, and the deeper meaning to that is although we honor God at home, maybe with our speech or even with our giving or even with some of our time and devotion, that's not enough because assembly is required. We are to come together and set time aside and, and park it in front of the Word of God and say, God, speak to me through the pastor. Speak to me through your Word. And we are to do that weekly. We are to do that in a manner. Jesus, it says even about Jesus, whenever he would go to the temple, as was his custom. As was his custom. So it's very important. But what we don't want to do is we don't want to get too busy for church because whenever we get too busy for church, whenever we get too busy to sit down and, and stream by our devices or whatever situation that we're in, uh, there's some things that we forfeit. And we don't want to forfeit anything. We want to, be, uh, we want to stick out our arms and everything that Christ Jesus has for us, we want to embrace. And there's some things that we can embrace through this scripture that I just read that we can embrace in the corporate body. Now, at first, in verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus. One thing that really happens whenever we all gather together in the sanctuary together is there's a sense of confidence that comes about us because we understand that Jesus Christ is in the midst. And it's by his blood that we're even able to come into this place and lift our hands up to a holy God and do it with freedom. So there's this confidence that we get to walk in. One of the things that we gain together is our confidence grows. One of my favorite stories to tell, I just started coaching and I handed out a survey sheet to my basketball team, to this group of young men. And I didn't know um, necessarily what I was doing and I didn't ever do this again, but I said, I want you to rank yourself at how good you are. Well, you're dealing with teenage boys, so that's part of the problem, right? Okay, just I've been there. I've been a teenage guy too. Oh, I would have played D1. No, you wouldn't have. <laughs> Uncle Rico, sit down. You guys know. Never mind. Okay, anyways, anyways, okay. I, I passed out this, this survey, and, and for the most part, man, they were pretty honest, you know, twos and threes and maybe a four every now and then. And I said, now this is the, this is the caveat. Zero is like you cannot dribble the ball, and, and, and 10 is like Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Yeah, you guys know where this is going. So I took up one of them, and he put a seven on his paper. Yeah, yeah, I was seven. I'm like, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, you're a seven? I've got a Division I athlete. I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. This young man was full of confidence. When I asked him, I said, are you sure? He goes, oh, yeah, 100% confident that he was a seven. I said, well, you know, there's some criteria. I was thinking there's some criteria to that. You know, you've got to be able to dribble and shoot. And I don't know if we're quite a seven yet, you know? But confidence is contagious. That was okay. Because I was thinking, dude, if he's a seven, I'm a Hall of Fame basketball coach. And I didn't, even, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Well, we only won one game that season. We found out he wasn't a seven. And uh, I, I'm not anywhere to be found in Hall of Fame, dude. This young man had confidence. Well, we serve a Savior that doesn't need our approval, amen? There's no surveys to pass out and give him. Jesus Christ know who, knows who he is, and he doesn't need our approval or our help, right? He, he does require, he w does want our praise, and that's what happens whenever we come into the assembly together, is it builds our confidence in Christ. 
Psalms 122, David has positioned the ark and the tabernacle. He has gained it back. It is in the city of Jerusalem. And this is what he writes. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You see the confidence in David there? He knew that, man, if I can get in the doors, God will do something to me. He will speak to me. He will encourage me. He will allow His Spirit to move over me and clean some things out. Amen? And we have confidence that we cannot do it by ourselves. Now, confidence is critical because confidence helps us with a clouded mind. It helps us with fear and anxiety. It helps us fight doubt. And confidence helps us encourage people. Confidence is critical. As I was watching the OU game yesterday, if you're not an OU fan, that's okay. I'm not here to, here to promote OU necessarily. But, boomer sooner. But we... I knew Tanner. Tanner's watching me somewhere. He just pounded his chest. The two-lane quarterback, I was absolutely impressed with this young man. And he, this dude took some brutal hits, okay? Uh, it's funny, as you get older, you think you could do some stuff until you get like 38 and you realize you're 18 years removed and you look at these guys in college and you would look at them and be like, if I was 18, those dudes would kill me. I mean, that's just, they're going to hit me and it's going to be over with. This quarterback took multiple, multiple hits on one particular hit. Um, it was a clean hit. The OU uh, guy slid into him and pit pounded him in his chest. And whenever he did, his head bounced off the turf and his helmet came off. And there was a big spot on his head. And he gets off and trotted to the sidelines. I mean, that was just one of many hits that they delivered to this young man. And I was impressed by the announcers. They looked at this young man and they said, things like this build confidence in the team whenever they know that this person is tough whenever they know that they'll take a hit and keep going whenever they'll fight for their team it builds confidence in them and they've looked at this young man and their team was completely behind their quarterback because they knew that he was willing to take some shots for us and it built confidence in them and you and I have the same confidence because let me tell you our Savior Jesus Christ has taken some shots for us right he, he, was, he was taken to a pole and, and whipped and, and flesh ripped off of him and his, his back was bloody and beaten a crown of thorns he's taken some shots and you and I whenever we come together we get to remind ourselves that we have confidence in our Savior amen he can take us through fear and anxiety these things doesn't have to take control of our life as we continue to read here we see that the writer of Hebrews goes on to write this by the new and living way that he opened us through the curtain that is through his flesh and we know that it was through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his body, his life, that we now have opportunity to be with God, to have relationship and fellowship with God. And we get to celebrate when we come together. We get to celebrate our new life. And this is exciting. This means I don't have to be what I was before. Oh, man, that means those decisions, although there could be consequences, which happens, I do not have to be held back. I have a future. Who I was is not who I'm going to be, amen? And this is a new life that I get to celebrate and that I get to be excited about. But our joy was because of his misery and tribulation on the cross. But we come in and we remind ourselves and we celebrate this new life. I love what Paul writes, very familiar scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And he talks about how we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. What is he talking about? That means I don't think the way that I used to think. That means my desires are changing and these are all, all really good. Amen. 
Why? Because we get to celebrate new life. And when we celebrate new life, what it does is it takes our focus off of all of our past and our failures and our faults and puts us towards what we can be. Amen? And nobody has ever done any good driving forward and looking back. And God is telling us to move forward, make those changes, and whenever we come in here, we get to celebrate new life. And I tell you, there's nothing more encouraging. Whether you're a pastor or a Christian, and you're sitting in a pew, and you know the person across the pew just found Jesus, and week after week they come in, and they raise their hands, and you see their life change, and they begin to be encouraged, and all of a sudden their kids show up, and all of a sudden these wonderful things begin to happen, and it's encouraging. It makes me go back to remember my new life that I have in Jesus. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah. And this is encouraging. But when we come together, that's what we get to celebrate. It's worth gathering, amen? It is worth gathering. And once again, I want to make it very clear that we understand that there are different health needs and different situations. And we're not coming against that or, or being discouraging. We thank you so much that you're tuned in and you're a part of this. And we want you to know that we love you and we care about you. And we cannot wait until they're back in the house. Can I get an amen? Yes, that's for you. That's for you. We continue on here, uh, this passage, and we see that we get to celebrate the opportunity to draw near to God. We draw near to Jesus Christ, and this is something that we cannot over-exaggerate. Listen, it is a privilege and an opportunity that I get to draw near to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? That we would be somebody that is unholy, that is unclean, that is not sanctified, yet He looked down on us as friend and gave His life, and now I have the opportunity to understand His attributes, to understand characteristics, to understand who He is, that He can draw me close, and in those moments, I feel feel alone all of a sudden I feel like I have a friend in those moments where I don't feel like I can do it he draws me near and I draw near to him and I understand that there's going to be a way to make it and 21 and since we have such a great priest over the house of God we know that's Jesus let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith oh I love what the writer here says because as I draw near to God with a true heart this just simply means a genuine and a sincere heart that I don't have or that you don't have any ulterior motive here we come into the house of the Lord and we recognize where we're at and we need help with our marriage we need help with our finances I need sometimes I just need help with me does anybody need any help with yourself sometimes yeah sometimes my attitude sometimes the way I think right sometimes my actions Lord help me and we've all been there, but we come in with a genuine attitude of saying, God, I just need your help. And to the unsaved, this is incredibly important because if you're under the sound of our voice here at Ray Hope, then we want you to know that the writer is telling you that you can enter into a relationship with him. Many of the people that he was writing to or that this author was writing to in Hebrews would have been from the Hebrew faith. Some of them would have not been saved and some of them would have been saved. But he's, he's pulling both groups in here and saying, listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you draw near to him he will draw near to you. For us as Christians, it's incredibly encouraging because I know I come in with a sense of a genuine heart and an attitude about seeking Christ. James says the same thing in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 8 of James. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And then James says the same thing that the writer in Hebrews says here. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double 
minded. He gives us all opportunity, whether we're Christians or whether we're people who have not dedicated our lives to Jesus Christ, which is called sinners. It's not a derogatory term. It is a statement. It is a title that you don't want. Amen? We don't want to be that. We want to be children of God. But we have this opportunity to purify our hearts and, and change our mind. And it's incredibly important that we draw near to God because whenever we draw near to God, it shows us where we stand in with the world. Amen. And what I mean by that is the closer I get to God, the more I realize that I'm further away from the world. And this is a very good thing because I realize that I'm moving forward in Christ Jesus. I'm letting go of some of those things that hold us back. And we get to celebrate that. We get to celebrate the Holy Spirit. Oh, I love celebrating the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in our hearts and in our lives. It will baptize us and, and speak. And it, it, we just love the Spirit of God. In verse 22, the writer says this, With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You have to love the Old Testament imagery here. The writer knows that he's talking to Hebrews that would have absolutely known the process of for forgiveness of sins, which they wouldn't have really gained. It was more of the rolling back of sins. The only thing that can cover your sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. That is what washes us white as snow. There's no animal that can do that. And since Jesus has been given as the supreme sacrifice, he gave his life. He is what we need. But he gives us access to the Holy Spirit. He said, it's expedient that I leave so you can have the Holy Spirit. And this is something that whenever we come together, we get to celebrate the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because you and I, because we don't have to sacrifice, and because of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit can come into our lives, and it can purify us and cleanse us. The Holy Spirit will speak to us and say, hey, you got some stuff you need to clean up. You got some stuff that's not right. In the first part of chapter 10, it says the Holy Spirit will bear witness in us. This is something to be celebrated because that means I am no longer like the world. That means that this is a real deal. That Like we sang this morning, this isn't a myth. Oh, no, no, the love of God goes way past what we can understand, amen? So this ain't a myth. This is not a joke. This is not just a simple story. The Holy Spirit confirms it in my life, and it's worth celebrating. It's worth lifting my hands and saying, Holy Spirit, do what you must. Speak to me. Change me. Do whatever you want to do that I can be pure and clean. And that's worth celebrating. Amen? Amen, all three. All right. Amen. I know there's more of you guys out there. Help me out now. John, John, I love doing that because you get responses. I need an amen button. No, I'm just playing. I, heard, I saw an old preacher do that, and that's still lame, but it works. So, anyways, anyways, we'll move on. I digress here. John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. Now, it's, it's, it's important. So, Jesus is at the great festival, and people have been filled up on wine and drink and food and all this other stuff. And Jesus stands up, and he goes, listen, let anyone who, who, who's truly thirsty come to me and drink. And then he promises that, that from their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And this, in Scripture, it teaches us that he meant the Holy Spirit. We ask Christ, let us have the Holy Spirit. Let us engage with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, baptize me and change my life. And what will happen is in our innermost being will flow out of living water. That means that life will come forth. And it's not condemnation, it's conviction. The Holy Spirit, is, it convinces us of our sin is what Scripture tells us. 
And this is to be celebrated because if I am walking on the wrong path, I need something to tell me that I'm not on the right path. Amen? I do not want to stand before God and be on the wrong path. That's not what I want to happen. So how can you tell the difference between condemnation and conviction? Well, condemnation pulls you away from Christ. Condemnation is that spirit that pulls you away from Christ. It says things like this to you. Okay, it's, a, it's, a, it's an evilness that says you'll never measure up or you can't change. I, I tell you one thing that condemnation does, and that's the reason why we're therefore now no longer in condemnation is what the Bible says. is because it takes the focus off of Christ and puts it on your sin. And what you focus on is what you'll go to. I was cutting hay fields whenever I was in high school, and, and I learned this. Uh, uh, the gentleman that I was working for taught me that if I wanted to try to make at least a semi-straight line, what I needed to do was focus in on a point, put the tractor in drive, and try to drive as straight as I could to that, to that point. Now, this was probably, this was before GPSs, which now you got to do is punch a button, and you're good to go, right? But if you got those other tractors, you know that you fix your eyes on a point, and what I found out is where you, where that, where your face is pointed to is where you'll go in basketball one of the things that we taught kids is don't dribble with your head down because if your head's down when you dribble that's where you'll go you won't know where you're going you're running around you got to dribble with your head up and be able to handle the basketball well this is what we're seeing here with the holy spirit condemnation causes us to put our head down it causes us to lose focus and all of a sudden now our focal point is our sin and our lives was never intended that our focal point was the sin our focal point should be jesus christ and that's what conviction does conviction shows us that through Jesus Christ we can become what he's called us to become it increases our focus on Christ the conviction says no I'm wooing you over here I'm wooing you towards Christ and it sets a clear path to Christ see the Holy Spirit will illuminate the word in our hearts so we're sitting in service like this we're listening by, by our devices and the word and the Holy Spirit will illuminate the word in our hearts and this is what Psalm says about the word of God it says thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path what is it saying it says that I will bring into focus I can now see the Holy Spirit illuminates the word of God and you come in here you're searching for an answer for your marriage or for your kids or for your job situation or for your finances but you come in here corporately and people believe for you and they pray for you and they love you and they encourage you and your confidence begins to build up the Holy Spirit begins to move now the word that is spoken takes root in your heart and all of a sudden you're like ah I see Amen. why because the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path and the Holy Spirit helps that. The Holy Spirit is to be celebrated. And we get to do that. Amen? That's encouraging stuff, man. I love the Holy Spirit. I don't always like what the Holy Spirit tells me. Because I've got to change. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be silent on that one. We'll move to the next point. Quickly, quickly. As we continue to read here, we see that we celebrate the faithfulness of God. Oh, I love doing this. By a hand clap of praise, do I have any saints in the room that God has been faithful to you? Hand clap of praise, yes. Me too. I know you guys are doing it wherever you're at. See, whenever we come together, we don't want to forfeit the ability to celebrate the faithfulness of God. In verse 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And we look around the room and we see loved ones that are in here that God promised us that they would get saved and they're saved. We see our loved ones that are healed and lives that are changed and we remember the faithfulness of God. 
we look back and we go through situations we have no idea how God was going to bring us through but yet we sit here on the pew we sit here behind the platform we sit on our couches and say no we are victorious because we think about what God had done and that's what we get to celebrate when we come together so we want to fight. We want to fight for this time. We want to prioritize it. We want to say, God, we will come together as a family of God because we will remember and celebrate your faithfulness. Well, how do we celebrate? What's what we did this morning and what we've already done? We come in here and we confess how good is God. Amen? His goodness and His faithfulness. We begin to worship and lift up our hands and our spirit and our soul. Right here as you guys are amening and clapping and saying, the Lord is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's what we're doing. We're saying, God, you're faithful in your giving. You're saying, God, you've given to me and I'm going to give back to you. And I'm going to do it again and again by your presence. You know that coming into the house of the Lord makes your heart glad. This is great. Yeah, because we get to celebrate the faithfulness of God. And if I will do my part, God is faithful. And we can stand by that and we can encourage each other. And the good news is this. It's like the sowing and reaping. And I don't know about anybody else in the room. Pastor, I don't know if it was for anybody else that sermon that you gave several weeks ago. But it resonated with my soul. It gave me hope that if I will sow, I will reap. Because God is not slack. He is faithful. So I will come to church and I will lift up his name and I will worship him and I will praise him and I know that I can walk out with confidence, that I can walk out my faith be built, amen, that lives are going to be changed. Ah, I love it. Can you tell? I love it. I've got to find my spot now. Take a breath. It's funny, I was talking to a guy after service in the first one. He goes, Matt, you've got to slow down. So I'm trying, trying. He says, you've got so much content, I know. I know, so you guys, he got the auctioneer version of this. You guys are getting maybe not that bad, I hope, I don't know, we'll see. But we know that when we see the faithfulness of God that we get to celebrate that. In Texas, I, was, I had a house down in Texas that we had bought and we moved up here, oh, six or eight years ago now, maybe longer, and it sat on the market for 365 days. And I'll be honest with you, there's nothing like paying a $1,000 house payment a month when it's sitting on the market. Makes you feel super smart. Makes you feel like you made a super great investment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it makes you feel like you're a winner. <laughs> we had moved from this house, and we had rented this dude out, and the renters were pretty brutal to it. And, uh, yeah, we, yeah, oh, I got a bunch of amens. Yeah, you guys know. If you're a renter, take care of your house, Okay. Take care of your house. Amen, Pastor Matt. That's good preaching there. Take care of your stuff, okay? But they had messed it up, and, and then we had redone it, and, and we'd rented it out, and it still didn't work, so we just decided this thing's going on the market, and it's set for 365 days, if, if not more. And, and I remember I was talking to my wife one day before all of it happened, and I said, God is going to be faithful. We're going to take the selling of the house as a sign. And let me tell you something. I didn't walk out with, with making a ton of money on the house, okay? I brought more to the money. I brought more to the table on the closing when I sold it than when I did when I bought it, okay? Yeah, it just makes you feel super great investments here, right? But I said that God is going to be faithful, and he's going to help us sell it. And when we know that we're in the right spot at the right time, we're going to take that, that God is going to move, and he's going to sell it. And I remember driving down 5th Street between, between Bray, and, or between Marlowe and between Duncan, talking to my wife about this. 
Six months after we dedicated ourselves to here and I pulled out of teaching and I came here to chase what we felt like was the call of God and, and to smit up underneath Pastor Mike and to love you guys and to follow Christ with you guys here. Six months later, that house sold. And I just remember the faithfulness of God. And I would lie to say I was not happy to see that thing go. Oh, until I knew the signature was on the paper, I did not sit well. <laughs> well, usually these things don't fall through. I don't want to usually, I want a signature. Let's get this thing signed over, amen? But I knew that. But then I think back about the faithfulness of God, and whenever we come into situations like that, whether it's our own doing or other situations, we know that God is faithful. And then we continue here as we go forward. We celebrate others. See, whenever we come together, we celebrate others in the house of God. Now, I understand that we're here to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. But listen to the scripture, verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let us consider, that means I come into the house of the Lord. I'm with a family, I'm gathering, and, and I have a, a, a calling on my life. How can I stir up my fellow man? Maybe they're low on confidence. Maybe they're low on faith. Maybe they're low on strength, and I can go up and shake their hand or hug their neck. It's what we do out in the foyer. It's what we do in the children's hall. It's what we do up and down the Sunday school hall. It's what we do with worship. It's what we're doing right now, amen, because we want to celebrate others that this is not just about me, but it's about us, that we're children of God, and He has called us to a higher living, and we can be encouraged. Yeah, I love it. We don't have to focus on all the physical things. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul is writing to his friends, and he's talking to them, and he says, it's not about circumcision or uncircumcised. It's not about a physical thing. He says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor, uh, nor uncircumcision counts for anything. See, we think so many times it is absolutely what we do that we have to measure up. And Jesus Christ has already measured up for us. Now, our lives will certainly be affected by our faith and we will do works. But Paul goes on to write to his church and says, but only faith working through love. See, whenever we come into the house of God and, and we begin to stir each other and we begin to stir each other to love more and to do more for the kingdom of God, then what we see is that we're in line with what Scripture is telling us, that it's about faith working through love, that what we do is a sign of our love. And whenever we do that, we know that it counts towards us for God. James 2 and 6 says this, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. We, we, we walk into our faith, and we know that it will change us and affect our lives, and things will be different. That's the love and the works of good. And that's not just about us coming in here and finding that word and going out and being released, but if we can encourage somebody else to do that, amen, then we will know that we're walking with what God has told us to walk. And we can influence. Influence is so critical when we come in here. The shyest person influences 10,000 people in their lifetime. Influences. I was reading a Harvard, Harvard Business Review the other day, and this is, it, it talked about how to become an inspiring leader. And, and you know one of the things that it mentioned is it's not just about performance. Sometimes we think how we perform inspires, and yes, to a certain degree, it does. But they found 33 other traits that really inspire people. And the top one that they found was a leader who was centered. 
Not self-centered, but a leader who was centered. And this is what they said about it. This is the state of mindfulness that enables leaders to remain calm under stress, empathize, listen deeply, and remain present. Here in this scripture, isn't that what it's saying to do? We need to stir up one another. Well, if I'm going to stir up somebody, I need to kind of know maybe what they're going through. That means I need to listen. I need to watch. I need to be involved in their life because, after all, we are brothers and sisters who come together. And the Bible does say, what? Let our light so shine before men. But to be that leader that inspires, that changes, we have to be in that spot where we say, God, I want you to use me. I want you to take me. And we celebrate others. The final thought here, and I'm coming to an end here. Wayland, you can come on up. That way I'll actually land the bird. The final thought here, hey, just being honest with you, just being honest. Sometimes I write that in my notes, so I won't, I'll do it. The final thought here that we have is we celebrate our destiny whenever we come together as a family in the house of God. Whenever we gather around the couch because we can't be here or whatever situation, and you say, I'm setting this time aside Man, we get to celebrate our destiny. 25, not neglecting to meet together as is in the habit of some. And the writer of Hebrews is wondering, listen, some people's in this habit and they've got to break it. But encouraging one another there, we see it again that we get to encourage one another. All for the more as you see the day drawing near. In our world today, we can get so blinded by all the things we see, can't we? Because let's get real, our life is to some degree wrapped up into finances and our job and definitely our family. And when those things are not working correctly, we can wonder, God, where are you? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Is any of this true? Because I'm trying to do what you asked me to do. And we know that that's a lack of faith on our part, but it still doesn't mean that it's not real feelings. And honest enough to say that. But whenever we come into the house together, we get to celebrate our destiny. That one day, Jesus Christ, that if we don't take our last breath and slip into eternity and walk the streets of gold with Him, that we will meet Him in the air one day. That He will come back for His children. And there will be that day of reckoning, that day of accountability. And that must be what guides our testimony. That God, we know that one day there will be a destiny with You that we will be in accountability. And that's okay because I have the Holy Spirit to lead me and to guide me and to direct me. And the assemblies are so important as we come together because we know that we get to learn the Word of God. But we also know that the Word of God is the truth. And whenever that truth is revealed, it ignites something in us. It ignites that fire. And then our strengths become stronger and our weaknesses become strong. We can come in maybe with a little bit of pride and we can find humility. We can bring our request in the times that we fall short and we can set them at the feet of Christ. And because we're together, we can pray for each other. And there's nothing more encouraging than a brother and sister praying for another brother and sister. Especially you guys who, who know what other people's been through. You come up and you lay your hand on their shoulder or you stretch out your hand and you just pray for one another. But we know that when we come together, we do something that our enemy hates. But in our spirit, we go so strong because it reminds us and we celebrate the things that we know that we should celebrate. And we've got to fight in our culture and our world for this. 
Because in every way, they're trying to say that church is not that important. You don't have to take your families to it. It really doesn't mean anything. It's mythical and all this other garbage that they want to press forward. And because the church, the church will not say certain things are okay, then we're becoming void. But that is not true. We know the spirit man grows stronger and stronger. And whenever we come together, we can rely on each other and lean into one each other and find that strength and find that hope that we can be better tomorrow than we were today. That whatever we're facing, we can beat it. Amen. And we can do it. But we don't forsake. We don't neglect. We say, God, help me be disciplined. Help me honor you. Would you bow your heads with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.